Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. All right, it doesn't have to make sense. So let's jump in. And, and, and because of this story, I, I want everyone, everyone to say, Aww. because this is, we're coming to the crescendo of this love story. This, this wonderful story between Ruth and Boaz. It's, 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 it's coming to fruition. It's, it's, it's happening, this wonderful love story. And I can just imagine the Jewish people sitting there when this is being read out, whether the rabbi is reading it to them or someone's reading it to them, and, and they're sitting there and this story's just coming. They're like, yes, what's next? Come on, keep reading. So let's jump into that space. We're looking at Ruth 3, and we're just going to read the first three verses, just for now. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. And this makes sense. I mean, literally this makes sense because Naomi's looking at this daughter-in-law who's actually travelled all the way from Moab with her back to, to Bethlehem, the house of bread. I never knew that. That was a wonderful little tidbit for me. I was like, cool, house of bread. And back to the house of bread in Bethlehem. And, and, and for her, just it made sense that she wanted Ruth to get married. She's probably in her 20s. Somewhere in that zone, she's not too old. She's, she's not, yeah, she's, she's, she's still prime. She's still in her prime. And so she'd get married. And probably Naomi was also thinking, I'd love to have a grandson as well, or a granddaughter, just to have and bounce on my knee and just, just play with, just to, just to have this, this air. And so it made sense that she was looking for a spouse keep going here in the passage. Now Boaz, so he's this guy with a good character by the way, just sort of looking at that. Now Boaz, with, who, with whose women you have worked, and so Naomi's still saying this, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Now this makes sense in one perspective and not make sense in another. Naomi's scheming at this stage. She's being a typical mother-in-law. She's scheming. She's absolutely trying to work out, how do I get this chick married off? Because that works well for me as well. But she's looking at this, and she's beautiful. It's like, Ruth, that means desirable in, in, in Hebrew. So it's like, Ruth, you're desirable. Um, but we, we get a little bit of protection. And so she says, Go wash yourself. Anyway, it, um, I have no idea what it would be like to live in these times. Because these, these are not pleasant times. We're talking about the book of Judges here. And in the time of the Judges, it's chaos right. in the land of Israel. It is. it is horrible. There is much poverty. There is just horrible things taking place. It's tumultuous. People changing hands. Warlords. It's just a horrible period of time. And the judges rise up at different times during this period to, to actually try and be a little bit of order to this chaos. And so to actually waste water on washing yourself a lot, 
you just can't afford that. And then to go further and actually to anoint yourself with perfume. To anoint yourself with perfume, that's not easy either, as in financially. And get dressed in your best clothes. Do I have any? And she probably did. They probably had those special occasions and that came out of the cupboard. The interesting thing is that at this time, the only people who washed, anointed themselves with oil and dressed in their best clothes regularly, who were female, that's right, they were the ladies of the night. That's probably the nicest way to say it if we have children in the room still. Yes, they were ladies of the night. And so Naomi's making this weird, it's crazy suggestion. It doesn't make sense in some respects that you get dressed up because you want to present yourself well to Boaz. But at the same token, and we know in the story this, he, he recognizes this as well, you could be considered a lady of the night. And so it's a bit crazy. And then she keeps scheming. Mother-in-laws. <laughs> Lovely family. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. She's telling her to hide, to, to, to conceal his, get into a shady corner somewhere and stalk him. That's going to work well. Stalk the guy until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. All right, this doesn't sound right now. It's, just, it's gone into that realm of... Mm -mm. It continues to get more interesting. Continuing into verse 7, if you're following along, or if you're just listening to me. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Wealthy landowner still doing stuff like this. Ruth approached quietly, think stalker, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. And everyone goes, uh-oh, because Ruth is off script. Ruth is off script here. Naomi has told her what to say and to stop at the point of actually having the hem of his garment cover her. That's where she was supposed to stop. But she goes one step further. She goes off script and says, spread the corner over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. That's, that's not on script here. The Naomi, if she was watching, was going, no, don't do that. Because it just doesn't make sense. This Moabite woman is making a marriage proposal to this wealthy Israelite businessman. You just don't do that. That is not what you do. 
That is not cultural. It's not... What, you know, having lived overseas, and, and some of you guys have moved here as well, cultures are different. You just don't, don't, don't do that. Like the Moabites, they were cursed by the Jews in terms of you, if, they, if a Moabite moved into the land of Israel, it wasn't for 10 generations before their family was accepted because of what they did in the... Um, coming, out of Israel, uh, coming out of Egypt. So that journey out of Egypt into, into the Promised Land, what the Moabites did, they were cursed people. So not just for one generation, it was for 10 generations their families were never accepted in Israel because of what they did. And here's this Moabite woman. So you've got to imagine what's going on here. This Moabite woman says, I'm desirable. Do you want to marry me? This is Boaz's answer. The Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. It doesn't have to make sense. It, it doesn't have to make sense unless the Lord is in it. That's when it starts to make sense. We look at this, it doesn't make sense. This is, this is all, it's all, it doesn't make sense. But if the Lord is in it, it will. So at this stage, I actually want to deviate away from the love story. So everyone just sort of say, oh, yeah, exactly. What's he doing? Who gave him the platform? We want more of this Dr. Love. But that's him next week, all right? He's back, I believe. You back next week? Dr. Love will join you back again next week and take you on that more journey of this love story, I'm sure. Because I'm not Dr. Love, I'm actually Dr. Discipleship. All right, and so I'm looking at this from a totally different lens and looking at it from this lens of discipleship. And so what I want to do is go back over the life of Ruth and look at it for another reason, another thing that's, that, that was an undercurrent in her life all the way through. So back in, in, in um, Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, verse 4, these two sons married Moabite women. <clears throat> Bad. That brought the ladies face to face with the God of Israel. So they would have still been a good Jewish family in the sense that they were disobedient in some things, but they still would have followed other things. And so Ruth would have been exposed to this, this God of Israel. So much so that when Naomi plans to go back to Bethlehem, she joins her. Despite Naomi saying, ladies, I love you too. When I practiced this morning, I got up at six o'clock to practice, and, and, and I said, and Ruth and Oprah, and I went, I, actually, no, no, it's not Oprah, it was Orpah. <laughs> Orpah, there we go, Orpah. But I thought it was a good joke, so I just added it. So Naomi said to Ruth and Orpah, go back to your families. Please, you young, beautiful ladies, thank you so much for marrying my sons, but go back to your families, you will, you will find husbands. Oprah, uh, Oprah leaves, and Ruth doesn't. Ruth joins grumpy old 
mother-in-law. And in verse 16 and 17, we read, but Ruth replied, this is chapter one, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from me. When you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Pretty strong words. Because you've got this Moabite woman who's not just abandoning her family and, and whatever. She's abandoning her religion and taking on this new God. And, and, and so what you, you know, it doesn't make sense. But we just need to recognize that God is already at work in her life and has been for a while. In Ruth 2, verse 2. It says, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. That phrase, that phrase, you know, behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor, that is just God language. That is just God language. Amen? Yeah. Amen. It is literally, yeah, we need to recognize that God is at work in her life and this phrase is in reliance on God. Because you want to find favour in the eyes of people, well, it's also finding favour in the eyes of God because God is the one that touches their hearts to give you the favour. And so she's, she's already stepping into this space of relying on God. God is already at work in her life. Now, in that same chapter, Boaz's response in chapter 2, verse 12, is also telling. And, and I love it because he's actually affirming that she's on this journey. She's aff he's affirming this. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. And this is Boaz talking to Ruth. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That idea of a, a mother hen putting its wings out and the chickens come, chicklets come under, what are they called? Anyway, they come underneath the wings. That's the imagery there. And Boaz is speaking that into her life because she has already been on that, she's, she's on that journey of faith with the God of Israel. So I want to ask you this question today. I want to ask you this question today. So who is your Ruth? Who is the person in your life where you can already see God at work? Because I want to give you some advice, some tips around um, perhaps finding your Ruth. And so, as I said before, this is not marriage advice. <laughs> Dr. Love will take care of that. He will continue in that zone. This advice, these tips that I'm going to be giving you, this is around people of peace. This is people of peace advice. Okay? And we're like, hang on, we only hear people of peace in the New Testament, around Luke 10. No, no, there's been people of peace throughout the entire Old Testament and New Testament. It's not a new concept that happened 2,000 years ago. It's been around for a long time. And Ruth was a person of peace to Naomi, but also to the family, Elimelech's family. And, and, and so she was, she was behaving like that. And so here's some of the tips. Here's some of the tips we, we like to, to talk about. First one, 
Don't prejudge. Don't prejudge. All right, Boaz didn't prejudge Ruth because she was from Moab. If on, on the heathen side of town, what we look probably for some of us, it's looking at uh, tattoos and going, hmm, I wonder what sort of lifestyle they lead. On this side of town, it's probably looking at me and going, why hasn't he got a tattoo? What's going on? He should grow his hair out and have dreadies. We prejudge, we do, we do. Literally yesterday, I was on my home from uh, Milua. So I, um, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I was up with a mate at his his house up in in the countryside there and he was, uh, we had to do jip rock on the walls and the laundry. We had to do stuff in the uh, uh, bathroom, and so <laughs> uh, there was no shower. There's nothing in the. We haven't had. We didn't have a shower for three days. And anyway, we were pretty. We need to wash and anoint ourselves and put on good clothing. Uh, and so we're up there. And anyway, we we're coming home down the freeway last night, and it was about seven o'clock at night, and we're. Uh, I can't remember what roadhouse it was. And we're sitting there, we're just sort of having a quick Macca's meal. And just off to my left was this guy, sleeves, tattooed. And you could, he was wearing a singlet, so you could see the artwork going into his chest as well. He, said, he was an old guy too, he was like in his 60s. And I was fascinated by it. Part of me was fighting the don't prejudge, don't prejudge, don't prejudge. But I was also fascinated because it was beautiful artwork. It was like this guy was a walking painting and it was colorful. It wasn't some of the, just the, the plain black and pasty skin stuff. It was, um, it was beautiful. Like it was absolutely mo- most colorful tattoo I've seen on someone outside of the Yakuza in Japan. It was beautiful. And I'm fighting my prejudgment, fighting it, fighting like crazy. So don't prejudge. Second thing, love equally, invest differently. So love equally. When you're looking at people in your communities or whatever, love them all equally. Try to love every single person equally. But when you find that person at peace, like Boaz did with Ruth, invest in them. Invest your time in them. So Boaz didn't prejudge her, but also he obviously loved those he worked with. I mean, this guy is asking them for, for, you know, what do you think of Ruth or how she do it? Just asking. So having that relationship with the people that even work for him, he's a guy, a good character. And he was a guy that was willing to just love equally because he even slept. He didn't have to probably sleep on the threshing floor. He had a probably lovely, comfortable bed back home, but he chose to, live, uh, to, to sleep during those times with his workers. So he loved equally. But it was Ruth that he recognised something in. He saw something in her and he, and he invested differently in her. We need to do that. We need to actually be those people who, when we see our people at peace, we need to actually frame our thinking, oh, we could love equally but we've got to invest time in these guys. Third thing, and I think with 
three of them will come up on the screen. Three of them. Three things will come up on the screen uh, together. And, and, and then look for people who like you. Look for people who will listen to you. And look for people who serve you. And, and we sort of, we shorten that down to, it's an easy phrase to remember, like, listen, serve. Now, two of them are very obvious. People who like you. I mean, yes, that's very important when you're actually wanting to have relationship. If you want to have relationship, people who don't like you, it's really, really tough to have a relationship with them and try and talk spiritual things with them. So just as a rule of thumb, we say, look for the people who like you. Look for the people who listen to you. And the last one is the one that tends to catch people. What does that look like? What is this serving thing? What do you mean by that? Well, in a theological sense, servanthood is the basis of Christianity. So if you can find people who understand what it means to be a servant, you've already got the base. Literally, you've got the base of a person being a follower of Jesus right there. So um, couple, uh, during, during our, our, our famous times of lockdown, um, we, couldn't, we, we weren't allowed to you know, breathe. And so what, my next door neighbour used to mow my front uh, nature strip. There's no front yard. You don't have front yards in Melbourne. You're allowed to. You just had this nature strip. And, and he, he, I'd hear the mower start, and I'm probably on Zoom or something rather, and I'm like, you hear the mower going up and down. And I'm like, oh, man. And I was getting angry because I'm the guy who's supposed to be serving. I'm the Christian. I'm the person. So I'm literally on a Zoom call. I'm, I'm supposed to be up there doing that, not him. And he's mom. And it happened like three times. And then it hit me. Here I am. I'm actually, <laughs> I bring this up with, with, with clusters, with these, with these church groups that are doing this discipleship journey. And I'm like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> He's serving you. Hang on, let's stop now. Oh, you're serving me. Oh, he likes me. Uh, even though we're supposed to be sick, we sit on the fence and um, have a drink together. And, and he listens to me. He's my person of peace. He is literally my person of peace. And I was like, oh, oh you know, the weight of the world off your shoulders. And, and it was great to have these conversations and we see if we can get them to go to spiritual. And, and it was just wonderful to sit there and, and, and chat. And it, I did get the opportunity to mow their front every now and then. It, it did happen. But you know, it was just wonderful to discover a person who liked me, listened to me and served me. Sometimes that takes time. Sometimes you can actually do it really quickly. Like my physiotherapist, um, I, I went in, for, I, I've, I've had five knee operations, and so uh, I'm a mess. A anyway, so the, the, um, the physio was working on something on my knee, for, and, and first session, half an hour, no, nothing, we sort of just danced around. Oh, what do you do? Oh, you're a pastor, you're a minister. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Session number two. He says, oh, how you been? How you been doing with the exercises? Yeah, doing good, doing good. Yep, good. He says, okay, um, sit down here. And so the other thing is, um, what do you know about the demonic world? <laughs> 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 like, oh my goodness. 
And so sometimes it happens really abruptly too. It doesn't take this development of relationship. It can happen really quickly when someone recognises who you are and, 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 and will, willing to listen to you, likes you, he did like, and, and, and he's serving me by my knee um, straight away. 27, 27 minutes later, that was three minutes in, 27 minutes later, we've talked about the demonic world and the Philippines and around Thailand and all over the show. It's just amazing. And I've gone, he's my person of peace. And, and, and on, on the fourth session, I, I, I got up the courage and I, I asked him, would you, you know, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. I don't know if you'd be interested. And he said, not yet. And not to be dismayed by that, <laughs> I, I said, is there anything else you'd like reading? And he said, I love leadership books. I went, awesome. There's this book I know called Visioneering. Now, whether you like him or hate him, Andy Stanley over in the States, uh, met the guy, he's a lovely guy. And just some funky stuff goes on every now and then. And anyway, he, um, he has this book called Visioneering. And it is the best expository writing on the book of Nehemiah I've ever read. It was fantastic. And it was a great leadership tool as well. And so I said to the physio, I said, would you like to read that? And he said, yeah, sure. So we didn't get to read the scriptures together, but we absolutely, he enjoyed reading um, the book Visioneering. Like you, listen to you, serve you. Your series, Get Smart is about making everyday decisions that will have an impact. Here's today's question and decision. I don't want you to go home to do this one. I want you to do it here. Who is your Ruth? Your Boaz. You represent Jesus. You're looking for where God is already at work in people's lives. So who is your Ruth? Who is that person that God is already at work in their life? It doesn't have to make sense. I could tell you a story about a bikey, sergeant arms, tats, everything, who came to faith through a 21-year-old obedient young lady who stopped at the bus shelter when the Spirit said, stop and tell this guy that God loves him. This guy was on his way home to commit suicide, sadly. And she said, God loves you. And he just started bursting out in tears because he actually said this. <laughs> that's, what I just, that's what I just said to the sky. I said to the sky, if you exist, God, if, you, if you're real, I want you to tell me that you love me. Because right now I'm on my way to kill myself. He's the same age as me, 17-year-old daughter. Our daughters are friends now. And, and it's just an amazing guy to see his journey. It doesn't have to make sense. When the Spirit told this girl to stop, she looked back and went, <laughs> not a chance, and kept walking. <laughs> She's like... She got, her and her boyfriend got 12 feet past before the spirit said again, stop, go back and talk to that guy, that bikey guy in the bus shelter. He kept walking, the boyfriend, no longer boyfriend. She went back and sat beside him and said, God loves you. 
And that, not only saw this guy ask that question, why? And he put his trust in Jesus after a few months, but he opened up his community of friends that he had. And they weren't bikers. They were people who, bonsai trees. So it doesn't have to make sense. A bikey that does bonsai trees. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. So I'm just going to give you a, a minute, just to, just to if, you need, if you need to close your eyes and reflect, whatever you feel comfortable with, if you want to, just, just spend that moment just thinking, who is my Ruth? Who is that person in my life that likes me, listens to me, and serves me? Just some silence with the music going. hope a name dropped into your head, whether it's school, university, place of work, a sports field, wherever it might be, I hope a name dropped into your head that God put on your heart someone. Because what I want you to do, and, I, and I, having watched your videos now, I love this part. You guys are interactive. I want you to turn to this person beside you and just whisper to them, this is the person's name. Just, just turn to them and just say, I thought of Cindy Kate or Bobby Briggs. Terrible names, I know. But whoever it might have been, just turn to the person beside you on your left and your right and just say to them, this is the person that came to mind. And the other thing I want you to do with that person's name that dropped in your head and who you've shared it with is I want you to be praying for them. I want you to start praying for them because nothing happens without prayer. All the movements around the world have all been undergirded by prayer. And so start praying for them. And if you shared it with someone, a name, pray for theirs as well. Get into the habit. Write it down. Get into the habit of praying for those names. I'm doing nine clusters at the moment. And so there's about 60 names that I go through on a fortnightly basis just praying for them. Different people have had these interactions and I just keep praying into that space. Gregory and some of your leadership team um, have been on this journey themselves 
as I, I mentioned at the very beginning. Uh, to answer that question, who is my person of peace? Who is my Ruth? Who is God interacting and working in their life right now with? And a whole heap more. There's a whole lot of stuff we've looked at. If you want to know more about that journey and, and, and what you do now that you have this person of peace who dropped into your potential person of peace who dropped in your mind, go see the team. Go see the team and, and, and have a chat with them. It'll be a great thing if you did. All right, it'd be one of the best because everyday decisions that have an impact are awesome. They're so good because they have an impact. Because they have an impact. That is why they're so good. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.